Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10am service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us. And check out our website at mpbc.org.au. It's a day to um, look back, but also to look forward. And uh, it's a day that I, I come with tremendous gratitude, along with the sadness of sort of interrupted friendships that uh, we've built up over the last, well, a few months. But also the certainty of knowing that uh, God has got great things for this church and for each of us. So I want to focus on making friends with our future. There's so much in the media and so much on social media that's all about panic and uncertainty, uncertainty, distress, catastrophic details and now, it's pretty hard to get a, a rational understanding. But the future is a slippery customer, even for the experts. Back in 1938, Neville Chamberlain waved that famous letter when he got back to the airport, having met with Adolf Hitler, saying, we have peace in our time. It was just over a year later that the world was plunged into World War II. On a happier note, the head of ITM in 1948 predicted that there would be a worldwide market for four computers. Now, he should have known of anybody, but uh, there we go. And just going a little further back, Alexander Graham Bell, the man who invented the telephone. You remember him, don't you remember his name? Uh, He made an amazing uh, achievement because he got through to Watson on an unlisted number. You notice that? (laughs) But he bragged that one day the telephone would become so popular that there would be one in every American town. Not home, town. Now I guess, how many mobile phones do we have here in this congregation? Lots. But the future is a promise yet to be fulfilled because God is in our future. He's also in our past. He invented time so he's not pushed around by it. We are squeezed by time. A little like the, uh, the mouse who got hit by the grandfather clock. He was totally squeezed by time. But the future is a promise yet to be fulfilled. And I, I sensed this uh, just almost 15, 16 months ago when I was over in Israel, Jordan, with the Whitley College tour. As we came to Mount Nebo, now, Mount Nebo is the edge of the escarpment on the eastern edge of the Jordan Rift Valley. Now, this is a fault line that runs from Palestine through to Kenya. It goes way, way down south. But to stand on Pisgah or Mount Nebo, where Moses saw the promised land, it's an incredible panorama. I'll just show you a couple of photos of it looking to the south southwest you'll see the Dead Sea just in the uh, uh, which corner over on the, on the left the lowest point in earth it was our second daughter's birthday the day that uh, we were at the Dead Sea and I sent her a message to say that I've never been lower and she suddenly got a little concerned but then I point it was geographically not emotionally but looking a little further ahead to see other points around this incredible promised land. Now as I looked over that promised land 
I felt a little bit for Moses. One more picture. Because there's a promise in the wilderness. Moses led Israel to the edge of the promised land. And 40 years he'd led the people. He'd had 40 years before that learning about the climate, the topography, the watercourses, where crops and where um, cattle could be grazed as they travelled through that wilderness. And of course the daily chorus, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Must have worn him out a bit. But at Pisgah he saw the land, but he couldn't enter it. He couldn't enter it because he'd got so frustrated with the whinging of the Israelites that God had commanded him to speak to a rock which water would gush out from. And he was so niggly with the Israelites, he smacked the rock and God said, you've gone too far, you won't go into the promised land. Now that sounds pretty tough on God, but as I saw that, I felt for Moses. Now having put 80 years, 40 of preparation and 40 years of leading the people, and he wasn't going to go in and enjoy, enjoy it. And it was um, back in September when we were over in England, I suddenly realised that here's a pattern for interim ministry. There's a sense of uncertainty or even a sense of wilderness when there's no permanent pastor to care for a church. Now some people feel that more deeply than others. Those who don't feel it quite so much get on with stuff, but there's no long-term planning. Now, you can't put roots down as an interim pastor. I mean, the connections of friendships and the love that I've received has just been overwhelming, and I appreciate that, but there's very little I've been able to offer in a strategic way that offers any permanence. And so I appreciate the respect, the, uh, well, the way that you've responded to a ministry which, which can't go as deep as we would all like it to go. But Moses brought the people to the promised land. He had an incredible pastoral role over hundreds of thousands of Israelites. But to conquer the promised land, Israel needed a general like Joshua to fulfil God's promise. And it hit me back in September that while I don't qualify in any way to Moses' level, it's a Moses' role to lead you as a church. At that stage, we didn't know who was coming. But still in that uncertainty, you've responded to, with confidence to the ministry that I've offered, limited though it's been part-time for, for a roaming geriatric like me. But still... God knows that, like Moses, I can only go so far with you. Ian will be the, the Joshua to lead you into the promise and make your ministry so much more effective than I could. I'm not crying poor, it's just that's the reality. As interim pastors, Rod and I have led you in your wilderness and Ian will be God's general. You don't have to strap on a uniform, old son, but... Uh, there'll be so much more strategy to your ministry than I can offer. So thank God for this. Now, 
as I think back about what I've gleaned in visiting and just hearing conversations and hearing your stories, the wilderness experience for this church has been pretty productive. Moses saw the worst of the people as they died off. They could have taken less than a fortnight to get through to the promised land. Did you know that? At Kadesh Barnea, 12 spies were sent out to survey what this promise was. And 10 of them came back saying, it's an incredible country, it's so prosperous. It's just so filled with blessing. But the people there are like giants and we felt like grasshoppers. It was Joshua and Caleb who said, that's all true, but God has promised this land to us. We can take it. And they were the only two who survived the wilderness journey apart from Moses. Because they, didn't, they had the faith to conquer. Now, it hasn't been quite so dramatic, but as I just think back over past details, three pastors, Hinton, Collins and Templeton, faithful in their ministry, a long-term ministry, especially from Mel Collins. And as I think too about how God has augmented their ministry, I think of Martin and Stella Gawler's cross-cultural vision to reach into the Maribyrnong Migrant Hostel and to open up the church to provide a lead for nourishing people who are going through the culture shock or the grief of sometimes being forced to flee for their lives. And just this week I've read Mari's story and it's, it's an amazing story of courage in the confusion, but courage and confidence in God. And Mari, your grace, your faith has inspired so many of us with your quiet confidence. And while the church has met some hard times, some fairly hard attitudes, because unfortunately in this particular trade, uh, you can sometimes be confronted with people who know more about it than you do. And I'll work out this text or work out that text and I'll fasten onto a small thing there and not see the bigger picture. A bit like politicians. Everybody knows how to lead in politics except for those who are actually leading it. The only ones who know about it are those who have lost it or who want it or who need to comment on it. The others just have to get on with the job. But you've met some harsh times, some harsh attitudes with grace. Your joy in Jesus' lordship has not been poisoned or contaminated by brittleness, by division, suspicion or oversized egos. I've sometimes been invited to work in churches where there's been upheaval, division, splits, and there's no winners in a church split. But the attitude has been very guarded in those churches because nobody wants to be hurt again. And I just haven't sensed any of that. Your open-heartedness is a fantastic experience. It's something I'll take with me as a great memory and a great gratitude. 
because your outreach continues locally through the um, Monday night dinner. I've got a couple of folks from the Monday night dinner here, so thanks for coming along. Um, the uh, overseas ministry to the Philippines has just continued apace year after year and it's been supported with generosity and love and prayer. And I'm not going to be able to hear much more about what you've been doing, but I know the church will be enriched to hear what everybody on the team has done. Your outreach continues through the playgroups and the overflowing warmth, love and open-heartedness, even to me. From a great distance, I've been a kind of a seagull pastor. You know what that is? That somebody flies in from a distance, makes a lot of noise, dumps on everybody and flies off again. <laughs> but I do thank you for your hospitality, for the overnight stays I've had. And it's just been, been great. And I just, this may not be a long message, I guess I could stretch it if I wanted to, but um, I see that God has begun a great work in you and he will bring it to completion. And that's one sure way of knowing that our future can be a friend because God's middle name is love. He wants our best. He's given his best in order for us to experience his best and our best. And building on a strong foundation with a prayer power team and uh, the response that you gave so quickly within, within two weeks we had this prayer power team operating. Every day people are prayed for. Everybody here you're being prayed for every day for God to bless you to protect you to guard you to anoint the conversations you have or the interaction you have whether there's any words at all with his grace, so that any God moments that arrive, you'll be ready to say or do or to just listen. And so touch people in a way that they will recognise more of God's availability for them. Together we've explored ministry gifts, praying for healing, how to simplify our testimonies. We've celebrated God's grace in our midst. And we've had fun doing it, haven't we, despite the jokes? Look, I've just enjoyed this time with you. Maybe it's enjoyment at your expense, but it's just been fantastic and I thank God for you and I thank you. Now God's promises add friendship to our future because God loves you and he values you. You're important to him. You might think, well, I can't do much that's spectacular. Everybody else is better at stuff than me, but you're important one person is so important. And I found that out so clearly twice one night when we were living in Geelong. I'd been president of the primary school council where the kids attended. It was the annual general meeting. I stood for, to renew my term as president. I was voted off. I missed by one vote. How about that? People were a bit sharper than I thought they were. But uh, anyway... One vote and I was off the team. I got home, told Judy what had happened. She had mixed emotions about that. One was joy, one was elation, another was ecstasy and total pleasure. <laughs> but then at about half past three that next, that next morning, the phone rang. 
I'd always, I had the phone beside the bed. This was before we had such things as mobile phones. I sort of, years of telephone training, I picked up the phone and said, oh, hello? Hello, is that you, Ron? No, there's no Ron here. Ron Nashfield? No, no Ron. Sorry, wrong numbers. Put the phone down. So I curled back onto the pillow. Phone rings again. Is that you, Ron? It's my newfound lifelong friend. <laughs> it wasn't Ron Nashfield, it was Ron in Nashville, in Tennessee. I said, Tennessee? Yes, he said. You've got Geelong in Australia. Oh, he said, I'm sorry. Must be something wrong with the system. There you go. I uh, didn't ring Ron later to find out if he'd got the number again. But I just a little bit of idle checking. And at that stage, we had six and seven digit numbers in Australia. And 6-1 was our, natural, uh, our national code to get into Australia, and five places in Victoria. Nashville's area code in the USA is 615. The American international code is a 1. Now this guy, this new lifelong friend who never told me his name, had missed dialing a 1 before the 615. And because of that, he was 180 degrees off course because he was calling from Holland. <laughs> if you think you don't count, you're 180 degrees off course. As you think about God's promises, lay claim to them for sure because he loves you and he values you. But be willing to grow so that you can recognise how his love works. God gives three answers to prayer. Sometimes when we are ready, when the time is ready and the, the idea is right, he'll say, go. Sometimes we're ready, the idea is great, but the timing isn't right, he'll say, slow. And sometimes... The timing might be right, but we're not ready, in which case he'll say grow. Because God answers prayers in ways that build our relationship with him. We can't throw remote control prayers and expect God to do something if we're not prepared to change ourselves. Because if he piles blessing on us, we won't recognise just how to handle it how to be guided through it. So as we grow in his love, we start to see deeper currents, deeper reasons, deeper respect. And we're able to relax because he's the one in control anyway. And he wants to bless us. It's his desire to bless. So... We can trust in his perfect timing because it's always better than ours. Trust yourself into his grace and in his ultimate victory. I think of a couple of passages from Paul, the Apostle Paul, a man who had incredible change, a tight-fisted Pharisee from the Pharisees, 
he could smell bad doctrine and bad teaching two towns away as a Pharisee. He just was so sharp for all that could go wrong. But he was totally transformed by the grace and the overflowing love of God that he started planting the church as he was being paid previously to destroy. The promise of God rests within us and we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've gained access. That access means we're right there on the spot. By faith into this grace which we now stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God and in the delay between realising that hope and where we are we glory in our sufferings not in any neurotic or um, masochistic way or competing for the lowest value but just recognise that we will suffer at times in an imperfect world because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance leads to character and character sees beyond the hesitations and the upheavals to see greater hope and hope doesn't put us to shame. That was an incredible contrast with the philosophy of the Greeks because the Greek gods would compete with each other and they'd throw out little promises in order to tease people. Hope was a delusion because they were so fatalistic that nothing would ever work out for them. But hope doesn't put anyone to shame. The only false hope is to say there is no hope at all because God is in control as we let him. And he has got the final answer. And his answer, his final answer is filled with love that doesn't put anybody down. Love that builds people up, that brings healing and, and reconciliation and confidence that's free of arrogance. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Paul wrote to his friends at Philippi, and this is something I echo as I think of this congregation. I thank God every time I remember you, being confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not yet perfect, but you are participating with him in a completing ministry, completing blessing for this community and further afield as you keep trusting him. And I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, not gushy infatuation, but the insight to see where God's love is at work so you can work along with that so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes 
through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. He's a sentimental bloke, isn't he? Probably more mental than sentimental. Um, I'd just like to say thank you. Um, Words, I'm not someone who can eloquently put words out, but I think sometimes thanks is enough, sometimes it's not. Um, And as a congregation, I'm sure people have a lot of words that they would like to express to you, and if they all tried to do that today, we would be here all week. So out in the foyer is some paper, if you'd like to write some words of thanks, if you, write, if you want to write any negative thing, that's up to you. Advice. If you want to give him some new joke material, that's more than welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's more than what he needs you, as you said, John. But um, I want to thank you. Um, God um, has been in this church, working in this church for a long time and for a while. I'm not sure whether... Uh, God left us or we left God as a, a congregation. And, and I don't say that we left fully to go away, but there were some, as you say, there were some tough times in the church and um, the devil really attacked us. Um, but we've but stayed the path. That's right, he lost. We mm. stayed the path and mm. um, God has blessed us. And we've had some great pastors over the years and, and I'd put you in that um, category. Uh, you have a word... Uh, for each of us, um, and uh, God, I, I can give you the glory, but the glory really goes to God. Amen. And um, but God has sent you to us at the right time, at the right place. So, as a congregation, we thank you. Uh, we invite you to come back for a morning tea at the back, um, and have some great food, uh, but also to say um, farewell. But you're going to be back because you're doing a wedding. Yes. Yeah. So what I'd like to do, it's a bit impractical, but if you can just reach out and touch somebody, I'd like to invite the deacons that are in the room to come up and our new pastor, if you don't mind, on the spot, uh, to come up and pray for Noel. Thank you. And if your wife is here, she can come up too. Thanks, Judy. Father, we want to thank you that uh, you're with us through your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for Noel and Judy. We want to thank you that uh, they've been willing to come and serve you here at Mooney Ponds. We want to thank you for Noel um, and his uh, service to each one of us in visiting us in our homes, encouraging us through uh, your word each week. We want to thank you that he's made that drive down and uh, just been willing to spend time here. He's a real people person and uh, just loves each one of us and, and has a real um, sense of empathy and feeling for people. And we want to we acknowledge that that is actually um, something that you've really put in him mm-hmm. and it's really evident amongst us. And Lord, we want to pray for your blessing upon him and Judy as they uh, begin their, their life in their new uh, new place, that you'd help them as they settle in. Lord, we look forward to hearing about uh, perhaps another appointment for Noel where he would bless another congregation 
as he's really blessed us. I want to pray for their health and their well-being and for their marriage, that they would know your richest joy and your peace and your hope as they go into the years ahead. And we want to, uh, want to praise you for all of this and for them and pray your richest blessing upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.